The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Yoma has been dedicated in memory of Mazal Bat Esther Baghdadi and Yosef Ben Mazal Baghdadi by their family. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated by North Fork Bank and its private banking department with Gabriel Safti. Hashem Ishmedehu Bihayehu. We would like to thank North Fork Bank and urge our listeners to patronize this generous financial institution. On a uh, private note, we'd like to thank Mr. Gabriel Safti for his continued support for all our programs here at uh, Daf Yomi, Torah Learning Resources, and the Torah Center. Today's Daf has been dedicated in memory of Yosef Ben Mazal and Shalom Rafael Ben Mazal. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied by Elohim Shmat Avraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. We begin today's daf on Pezayin Amudbet. We will go back a little. We will go five lines from the bottom. Although we studied these lines already, but in order to keep the sugya complete, we'll start from the uh, five lines from the bottom on Pezayin. And the Gemara begins. Amar Rav, Tefillat Neila Poteret Et Shel Arbit. The Tefillat Neila, which is the last prayer that we pray on Yom Kippur. The reason why it's called Neila, the Yerushalmi says two reasons. Either it's Neilat Shad Shamayim, it's the closing of the gates of heaven, or it's referred to Neilat Shad Azara the closing of the gates of the temple, which is at the end of the day, so the Beit HaMikdash will start to close down, they would shut the gates. So therefore either Ni'ilah is referring to the gates of heaven, or the gates of the Beit HaMikdash. In any event, Rav says, that if a person prays Ni'ilah, it exempts him from praying Arbit. Rav is following his opinion, his opinion that says that Ni'ilah is actually an additional Tefillah of seven berachot, like the other Amidot of, of, uh, of Kippur. And he says, Since you prayed Ni'ilah, you don't have to pray Arbit anymore. Now, obviously we have to say as well that Rav is holding that Tefillah Ni'ilah was prayed at night. And since it's prayed at night, at the time that Arbit is usually prayed, so therefore the Ni'ilah covers it. Comes the Gemara and asks, "Do me, Amar Rav, did Rav say such a thing?" Be'Amar Rav, Halakah ked Be'Amet Tefilat Arbit Reshut. In Masechet Berachot, there was a great machlokin on how we look at the obligation of Arbit. Some said that Tefilat Arbit is only Reshut, meaning it's only voluntary, and therefore if it's only voluntary. So therefore, what do you mean? I don't need Ni'ilat to cover Arbit. You don't have to pray Arbit in the first place. So what does Rav mean when he says that Ni'ilat covers your Arbit? You don't have to pray Arbit according to Rav. Even though the Tosafot in Masechet Berachot does say, when we say Tefilat Arbit Reshut, it doesn't mean it's voluntary. Where you know it's optional if you want to pray, you don't want to pray. But Tefilat Arbit Reshut means is that there's another mitzvah that you're involved in, so you don't have to pray Arbit, which means you're exempt from Arbit when you're involved in another mitzvah. So we have to explain according to Tosafot that over here also, if you say to let Arbit in shoot, since having a, a festive meal on Mutzah Ekipur is a mitzvah, 
Because really it's considered like a Yom Tov in itself that you're eating, like we say at the end of the Tefidah, Lech Echol B'Simcha. Go home and eat because God has accepted your, uh, your Teshuvah. So therefore that would be considered enough um, mitzvah to exempt you from Arbit. And therefore you would not have to rely on the Ilah to cover you for Arbit. So the Gemara says to this, you're right. Rav was talking according to the opinion that says Tzvat Arit is a chovah, is mandatory, so your ne'ilah will cover it. Even though he himself didn't know like that, but he was saying according to Rav she taught, it is covered. Kavz Gibran says, We have a contradiction from the Brayta. Or Yom Kippurim, the night of Yom Kippurim, He prays the seven Birachot Na'amidah, then he makes the Dui. Shachit Sheva Umitvadeh. Musaf Sheva Umitvadeh. Ben'ila Mitpalil Sheva Umitvadeh. Arbit, that's Arbit of Motsa'i Kippur, Mitpalil Sheva. The first opinion says that yes, you do have to pray Arbit on Motsa'i Kippur. It's just that you pray the abridged version of the Amidah, which we call Havinenu, which has seven Berachot. The first three Berachot of the Amidah, the last three Berachot of the Amidah, then one Berachah in the middle, which is Shomaya Tefillah, but in it includes one line of every single Berachah. The, the logic of this rabbi, why you pray the abridged version version of Amidah Motsa'i Kippur, because people are fasting. So it's a Torah, people are tired, so therefore we're not going to, you know, we're Matriya on the Sibur. After prayer of long Amidah. In any event, the Gemara says, Rabbi Hananya ben Gamliel, Mushim Abotab, mit Palel Shemona Asre Shelemot. Says, no, you gotta pray the 18 full Berachot. Why? Because we have a rule that we know the Masechet Berachot, that on Motseki Pur, for example, you must say Atahonantanu, because you're going now from Kodesh to Chol. But the Havinenu Amidah does not allow you to insert Atachonantanu because the Gemara was concerned that you might get confused by adding the insert, you're going to forget where you're holding. So therefore, he says over here that since you have to say Atachonantanu, you have no option but to say the full version of the Amidah. But according to everybody, what do you see over in this Braita? You are praying Arbit on Motsay Kippur. What do you mean, Rav? You just told me that praying the Ilah can exempt your Arbit. That's master, you don't have to pray, but this Brahita Tanaim clearly says you do have to pray. So that Gibra says Tanaehi. You're right. Indeed it is a mahloket Tanaim if Ni'ila is poter or not. Rav subscribes to the opinions that says it is. And this bright over you see obviously is going like the opinions that says it doesn't. Now we're going to show you the uh, mahloket. The Tanya we have a Braita. The Braita says, Kol tevilot, anybody that's Hayav to go to the Mikveh. Then you have to make Tevilah. Who's that? A person that came in contact with a mit. A person that came in contact with a Sheritz. A Zav. A Zava. A Mitzorah. Anybody that has a reason to go to the Mikveh and their Tevilah falls out on Kippur. Tovlim Kedarkan Beyom Kippurim. They indeed can go to the Mikveh in the normal fashion on Kippur. Ah, you're going to ask me, Sri Hitzah. I thought we said that the Hitzah, bathing is forbidden. That's only the Hitzah Shil Ta'anug. That's only a bathing of pleasure. There's not a bathing of pleasure. If a person going to the Mikveh, not to cool himself off either. He's going because of his obligation. Tosmut Mutar. Nida Viyoledet. Regarding a lady that's Nida or a lady that just gave birth, where their Tevilot are different than the conventional Tevilot that says that they have to go at night. So the Mishnah the Baraita says, Tovlot Kedarkan Belele Yom Kippurim. They can go by night. They go to the Mikveh. Baal Keri, that's somebody that has a seminal discharge on Kippur. Tovel Veholech. Ah, the Minha. 
So he can go to the mikveh until minha. Meaning, as long as he didn't pray minha yet, he can still go to the mikveh. However, once he prayed minha, according to this first opinion of the hakamim, then he cannot go to the mikveh anymore. Rabbi Yosei Omer, kol ayom kolor. Rabbi says, now he can go to the mikveh all day long. Now, what's the logic of this mahlokar over here? So that she explains for us. And we read it inside together. Uh, let's start with Baal Kedi, three lines down. She'asur b'devre Torah. Oh, so first of all, we see over here the concept that a Baal Kedi is asur to study Torah. Ke dekai ma'alam we learn to berachot Ezrat iken tevilah lebalik kriyam. Ezrat sofer established tevilah for people that are Baal Kedi. Now, not only can he study Torah in the Tamer state, but he can't pray either. So therefore the Baal Kedi obviously has a necessity on Kippur if he wants to continue praying. To go to the mikveh. So what do we tell him? Tovel veholech Adam and Ha. Hakamim shita is let him go until he prays Ha. Imira lo kedi kodem lachen. If he had Baal kedi before that, tovel kedesh yuchalit palit vet Ha. Aval ra'a kedi min Ha ul ma'ala. But if he saw kedi after he prayed Ha, en mutal litbol. He can't go to the mikveh. What do you mean? He has to pray ni'ida. No, ila yamtin ajit yashak. Wait till it gets dark. Till motza ekipur. Biyitbol. And then I go to the mikveh. This vira lulur abanand tefilat ni'ila balayla. Because he holds that tefilat ni'ila is prayed specifically at night. Uldidhu poteret etchel arvit. So therefore, since ni'ila is done at night, so therefore you could pray ni'ila and cover your arvit. Kederav. So then we found the Tanayic source for rav. It is the hakamim of this brayta. However, ve'adik tani ena poteret. Oh, but the opinion that says it's not poter, Rabbi Yosei. The whole day, even after you prayed Minha, according to Rabbi Yosef, must be the Ilah is done in the day. So therefore the guy has to pray in the Ilah. You can't tell him, well, wait till uh, night and go to the mikveh. You miss the time of Ne'ilah. Also, according to me, you say, you can't pray Ne'ilah in the day and use that to cover your hayyub of Arbit, which is at night. So therefore, that's the way the Gemara is explaining this mahluk. And the Rishonim point out something very important over here. We understand why we're allowing the Baal Kedi to go to the Mikveh. I mean, he's got to pray. That's, it's, it's, it's a necessity. But let's say all these other cases. Uh, the Nida, the Yoledet, the Zav, Zavah, Metzorah, Sheret, Tumat Med. Well, what's the necessity? All these people are allowed to pray even though they have Tumah. So why would we allow them to go to the Mikveh? What, what purpose are they rushing their Tevilah specifically to do it on Yom Kippur? So the Rishonim point out that we're talking about specific cases over here where they want to eat Tirumah they want to break their fast by eating tiruma. Uh, what does that uh, mean? In order for them to eat tiruma, after Kohanim of course, so they only allow, they have to go to the mikveh in the day, they need what's called the Arif Shemesh, right? they have to pass through uh, sunset, and and then they become permissible. Now if they don't go to the mikveh on that day, so that night they're not going to be able to eat their tiruma. So that's the only reason why, at least at this point, why we're allowing them to go in the uh, day of Kippur. Now the Baal Kedi even has to come on to that. The Baal Kedi, even if he's planning on having regular food, but he's got to go to the Mikveh because he needs to pray the Aitzim So that's the Mahlok al-Hakamim and Rabbi Yoseh. Comes the Gebel and says... Comes the Gebel and says, Urmin, oh, we have a contradiction. Which means, we just set up a Mahlokit between Hakamim and Rabbi Yoseh. But now we're going to show you another Braitha that actually has the opinions reversed. Both Hakamim and Rabbi Yosef. Now, Hazav Hazava. 
that somebody that cohabitates with a nida that also has a tum'ah on him, the man becomes tameh because he was with a nida. Man, somebody came in contact with a mit. Of course, they go to the mikveh in normal fashion on Yom Kippur nida v'yoledet. Like we said, they go to the Mikveh by night. Oh, here you have the Shittah of the Hachamim. Hachamim in this Beraita number two, we'll call it, is saying what? They go to the Mikveh the whole day. Whereas in Beraita number one, they said they can only go to the Mikveh until Menha. And here the Biyosei reverses his opinion. In this Beraita, he says, once he prays Menha, he can't go to the Mikveh. Hey, the Biyosei in the first Beraita said that he can go to the Mikveh, Kodayom, Kulo. So they put the question on both. Rashi says, Kashia, did the Biyosei, did the Biyosei, and the Banan, and the Banan. It's a double-fold question on both opinions. Give it a no question, we can answer the stira against the biyose. How? Very simple. Did he pray ni'ila or didn't he pray ni'ila? Rashi. That's what the biyose said in Braita number two. That if he prayed minha, he cannot go to the mikveh. Bayom, which means he prayed the Na'ilah as well. Khodem Shira Akiri. And therefore when it says over there Minha Minha Allah means of the time of Minha. Because since Minha goes until sunset, as well as Na'ilah goes till sunset, so therefore from once it's after the Minha time, which means you did everything in that Time zone, meaning you prayed your minha, you prayed your ni'ilah, so there's no purpose here to go to the mikveh. Ba'ad amnina na'ilah, continue in ashi, kol ayom, but the Lord said it to that ni'ilah kishirah kiri. Very simple, the first b'raita that said he has kol ayom kulo, it's talking about we didn't pray ni'ilah, therefore he's going to the mikveh to pray ni'ilah. So we've answered Rabbi Yosef's stila in a very easy way. If he prayed, if he didn't pray, oh, the Gebaras is holding. By answering Rabbi Yosef in b'raita number two, and saying that what it's talking about, where he prayed, so now you're going to have to learn the Hakamim's opinion as well, where he prayed. So the Gibran says, Eidet Saleh, Maitamayu, the Rabbanan. Now what's the reason for the, the rabbis? Because the rabbis said, what, you go Kolayom. What do you mean? If you prayed in Yailah already, what are you letting the Baal Keri go to the uh, Mikveh for? The Chaurah, there's no purpose for him to go to the Mikveh. To that, the Gibran says, Kasavi, Rabbanan, Tevilah, Bizmana, Mitzvah. Now the Gemara introduces a new principle. Hakamim hold that what? That the first available time for a person to go to the mikveh, that becomes a mitzvah. It's mandatory to go in the right time. Which is you're not supposed to push off the mikveh uh, uh, time. He's supposed to go on Kippur. That's when it landed out. You go. Aye, but you don't need to go. Meaning from a prayer standpoint, you prayed all your tefillot already. You're right. It's got nothing to do with uh, your tefillot. The anyan of going to the mikveh, Baal Kedi, on Kippur, is because you have to go to the Mikveh. It's a din in Mikveh. It's a din in Tevilat, the Hayyub of Mitzvah. To that Rashi says, Kasavre Tevilam Bizmanam Mitzvah, Vizmana Bayom. And the time to go is in the day. Udikhtib, Vayal if not Ereb, Yirhat. By the Baal Kedi it says, right? The evening will pass, and then he, uh, it's not the before evening, I should say. He washes himself in the Mikveh and he's told. Hilkach, Dahayar, Haitzad Yom Kippurim. She tells us that the Hachamim of Braita number two are obviously not the same uh, Hachamim of Braita number one. We have two different Mahlukot over here. The first Braita, Pedigi Bisman Tefilat Ne'ilah. 
The argument in Brayta number one is what? When is the right time to pray Ni'ilah? The Rabbanan Balayla. The rabbis hold Tefilat Ni'ilah is Balayla. And therefore the rabbis said what? Once you prayed Minha, Ma'al-Kiri, there's no reason to go to the Ni'ilah, you pray it at night. Will it be Yoseh Bayom? And in that Brayta, the Yoseh says no. Since Ni'ilah is done in the day, even though you prayed Minha, uh, you still go to the Mikveh in order to pray Ni'ilah. The Rabbanan De'atam Svira Le'utimila Bizmana Lav Mitzvah. Obviously, the rabbis of Brighton number one do not hold to be that mitzvah. Why? Because they're not letting you to make on Kippur. They tell you wait to go. What's Kippur? So therefore, the rabbis of Brighton number one do, are different. They don't hold to be that mitzvah. However, when itabat Raita, parigi b'tfilah mitzvah mitzvah. But the second Raita, they hold that one. It is indeed a mitzvah. Therefore, you got even if you want to say that the ni'ilah is not till the night. Still you let him go to the Mikveh. Why? Because Balaman has your time to go, so you have to go in the proper time. To that, the Gemara comes along and says, Oh, so if you're going to make Hachamim and Brayta number two, holding that Tevilah Bizmana Mitzvah, so we're going to have to explain that the Biyoseh of Brayta number two, that said that he goes to the Mikveh only up until Minha, implying what? And the way we explained it, the way we explained it is that that's talking about because he prayed Ni'ilah, so therefore obviously he holds Tibilah Bismana, Lab Mitzvah. So that's the Quran says, Mikhlad Rabbi Yosef Savar, Lab Mitzvah. Right? So therefore, that, that, that's a Makhlukah as well. Quran says that can't be, Ve'atanya, we learned in the Brayta. Haresh Ayash Shem Katub Al Besaro. Person had the, one of the Shemot of the Kadosh Baruch Hu written on his flesh. Ha, now he has to go to the Mikveh, the guy. What's the problem? Let him go to the mikveh. Problem is, when he goes to the mikveh, there's a concern that the water is going to erase the shem, and it's isur the right that to erase or cause one of these shemot to be erased. So the Gemara says, "Lo yirhas." As long as he has the shem on him, he cannot bathe. Velo yasuch. Nor can he anoint himself. Velo yamod b'mkomatinofet. Furthermore, he has to be careful where he walks. He cannot walk in a place of uh, dirt or smell because the shechinah's the name is on his uh, flesh. Now, there's the nado tevilat mitzvah. Oh, but let's say now he has tevilat mitzvah. He's got to go to the mikveh. So what does he do? Korech alav gemi v'yored v'tobel. So Tanakh Hamas is over here. Let him take like a gemi. That's like a reed. Let him uh, tie it around like a piece of grass. Let him tie it around his hand to cover up the. Uh, the shim again, not so tight. The water will still be able to uh, to penetrate. But the point is, the flow of the mikveh. Let's say there's a uh, a zayim, there's a flow. It won't uh, go on that uh, spot of the shim and erase it. Rabbi Yosef says, No, you don't need a gemi. You go down and you dip in the normal fashion. But make sure you don't rub it. Because then certainly you want to erase it. And the understanding of the mahlokar of him between Tanakhama and Rabbi Yosef is bright as what? The mahlokar is based on what? How? What do you see of this brighter? So the explanation is like this. Hakamim come along and say, get a gemi. Now, you don't always have access to a gemi. You've got to find one. Which is Hakamim are telling you, and if you don't find the gemi, don't go. So obviously, Achamim holds what? Tibilah bismana, love mitzvah. The Biyosim, because he holds Tibilah bismana mitzvah, he says, don't get involved with a gemi. We don't want to hold you back if you're not going to find the gemi. Therefore, you go under all circumstances. Let's read Rashi. Rashi says, Lo yirchos, shelo yimchok et Hashem. Korek alav gemi, lagen alav meshetef amayim. Right from the flow of water. Vekaimalan vemasechet Shabbat. Vemitvilah bismana mitzvah peligi. Therefore, yeah, wait till you get a game. You don't have one today. Wait till tomorrow. 
However, the Rabbi Yosef says, don't use a gemi. Why? Because we don't want you to delay the tevilah. So now we have a question. Hachamim of this b'raita, we have no problem. Hachamim of this b'raita, we can say that they're following the opinion of the hachamim of b'raita number one. Which the hachamim said that in any uh, event, you go to the mikveh. Which means, uh, regardless whether you uh, pray ni'ilah or not ni'ilah, even though ni'ilah is not till the night, still you go to the mikveh because tevilah is not a mitzvah. So therefore we have a problem. Hachamim b'raita number one are the same hachamim uh, over here. The problem is Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef, we interpreted you in Braita uh, number two that while you hold Tevilah Bismana, Lab Mitzvah, right? What's the proof? Because you said in Braita number two, if you prayed Ni'ilah already, you don't go to the Mikveh. Uh, what do you mean? What's your time? Uh, obviously, Tevilah Bismana, Lab Mitzvah. But in this Braita, clearly Rabbi Yosef is telling you, forget about the Gemi, let him go to the Mikveh under all circumstances because he's got to go on the right time. So, how do you square off the Stira between Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yosef? Tehav the Gemara says, Ha'i Rabbi Yosef Bar Yehuda, which means that which we said in Braita number one, that what, or I should say Braita number two, that Minamincha. Ulmala, you don't go, meaning if you prayed Ni'ilah, you don't go to the Mikveh, that's the Biyoseb and the Biyuda. Seems there's two the Biyoseb, there's the Biyoseb and Hanafta, and there's the Biyoseb and Yehuda. So therefore, don't bring a stira between the two the Biyosebs, well, that, that, that bride is going like the Biyoseb and the Biyuda. So now we have to find somewhere in Shas that the Biyoseb and the Biyuda holds that Tevilah Bismana Lav Mitzvah. So the Gemara will find it first in Masechet Nida. The Gemara says, Netanya, we have a bright and the Masechet Idat of Chavtet. Rabbi Yosef Bar Yehuda Omer, Dayal Etvila Sheteh Baharona. It's enough for the lady to go to the Mikveh at the end once. What are we referring to over here? So that she will give us the case. Without getting into all the details and the, uh, uh, the technicalities of the case, we'll leave that to Masechet Idat. Uh, because it's a very, very involved uh, situation. But we're talking about a lady that basically uh, went out and her stomach was full, assuming that she was pregnant. And uh, she came back and her stomach was empty. And now we don't know, or she doesn't know, did she give birth to a boy? Did she give birth to a girl? Was it air? Which means, what happened over here? What, what, was it an embryo? Was it not an embryo? Now, what's the difference? Well, the difference over here is that because depending if it was a boy or a girl on air, so it's going to affect her status of when she can become pure. Because the lady that gives birth has to go through a tum'ah process before she goes to the mikveh. Now, there's other variables that also have to be discussed here. She doesn't know if she was a zava at the time that she gave birth, or she thinks she gave birth, but that also is going to affect her count, exactly when's the first time she can go to the Mikveh. So the Gemara, basically, Nidaz, Machloket, Bet Shammai, Bet or incidentally, both hold, Tevilab is Manam Mitzvah. So they're trying to calculate every possible day, day or night, that this lady we have to go to the Mikveh, just to cover her from all possibilities. So, uh, Bet gives a number, Bet gives a number, now again, the numbers, uh, Bet says uh, 35 or something, and Bet says 95, which we'll see in Nashi in a second, but the point is, Rabbi Yosei comes along and says, no, all she has to go to the Mikveh is once. Wait to the end of the whole process, Dayal Litbila Baharona. 
Now, what do you see? Obviously, Rabbi Yom Yosef must hold. Tevilah is not allowed mitzvah. Right? Obviously, you that going in the right time is not mandatory. That's why he says, just go one mikveh at the end, and that one mikveh covers. Let's read that in Nashi. Daya. She came back empty. Now, she doesn't know what she had. Now, her situation was like this. She brought in front of us, meaning her status was, the subsequent three weeks, she didn't see anything. She was Tehorah. And the next ten weeks, she alternated. One week Tameh, one week Tahor. So we're dealing with a 13-week process over here. Okay? So first, Gibra says, the first time she's allowed to have Tashmish with her husband is after the 35th day at night. Which means, since she was clean for three weeks, right? So for three weeks, that's already... Uh, uh, Right, 21 uh, days. So then already, after the 21 days, they have to keep her, uh, she has one week of Tameh, that takes her to 28. Then she has one week of Tahor, that takes her to 35. So that's the first night she's able to have Tashmish. Bet Shammai says, in order to alleviate all the scenarios that it's possible, she's got to go to Mekbir 95 times. Bet says, she's got to go 35 times. All the logic, why 95, why 35, the But the logic behind those opinions are because they are not mitzvah. He says it's enough for us to go once at the end. It's milah, but it's not mitzvah. The Rabbi Yosef de Gemi, who Rabbi Yosef ben Halaftas. You have to say that Rabbi Yosef of the Gemi, which is milah, but it's not mitzvah. It's not Rabbi Yosef ben Rabbi Yehuda. It's Rabbi Yosef ben Halaftas. So therefore, we square off all the the brightot as well as the opinions of milah, but it's not mitzvah. Comes the Gemara and continues. Banan. We have a brighter. Person had a seminal discharge on Yom Kippur. Yored v'tobel. He goes to the mikveh. According to the opinions that we learned above, ulayerev, and by night yishavshif. Yishavshif means he should uh, clean himself, clean himself to make sure that he doesn't have any hatisot, any interference, any dirt on his body. That's much from this gemara. He goes to the mikveh in the day, and then Moshe Kippur, let him wash himself off to make sure he has no hatisot. So the gemara says, hold it. La'irev, neither hava hava. La'irev, what happened happened when Jesus overheard. He went to the mikveh. So the Gemara says, La'ema mibe'irev yishashef, which means from before the evening he has to be mishashef, which means while we before the evening. So that she explains, a person has to anticipate that he might become a baal keri on Yom Kippur, and he's going to have to go to the mikveh. Therefore, as she advises from this Gemara, make sure you take a good hot shower before Kippur to make sure your body is clean from all Hatzitzot and just in case you have a Baal so you'll be able to go to the Mikveh. So when it says Ba'irim, it means Ba'irim Kippur. Ba'irim Kippur, take a hot shower. That's the way that she learns. Lishonim Eschan Nashi. Let's read it inside first. That she says, Ba'irim Yishavshet Mishum Hatzitzah. Ba'irim Sagaladach. Which is once he comes out of the mikveh, which is what's going to help him to make shifshuf. And the hatzitzah ready. What happened? Happened. So give us ema mid be'erev de etmol. From erev kibul yishavshuf kol adam ma'afzol be'hamim without water. Shimir ek kiri lemagad yakulat bol below hatzitzah. In the event that he sees kiri and yom kibul, he's already clean. That his body can go without a hatzitzah. The rishonim ask 
if this is the whole concern of the Gemara, why Dafka the Gemara chose Baal Keri? Seemingly, every uh, person that has a Tibira on Kippur, the Gemara should advise that he should make a hot shower in Kippur. Why is the Gemara specifically picking on a Baal Keri that what, make sure he takes a shower from before? That's the question they ask on Nashi. So they want to learn the Gemara differently. They want to say like this. The issue over here is the Keri itself. That's on the person can uh, dry up and become a Hatzitzah. So therefore, the Gemara is saying like this, it depends. If he sees the Keri on Yom Kippur itself, on by day, then already it's still moist, he can just wipe it off his body, but if he sees the Keri at night, so now already he's going to have a problem, because by the morning what's going to happen, it's going to dry up. Once it dries up already, it's going to be a Hatzitza. So therefore the Gemara is saying that he can be Mishafshef, he can clean the Keri, the Zera off, if he saw Mibahirim. Because by the, he doesn't go to the Mikveh at night. So therefore the discussion over here is not Stam Hatzitza on the body. It's discussing that Keri itself is interposing for the Mikveh. So it's telling me when he saw it. If he saw by day, clean it off. If he saw by night, but until he gets up in the morning, he has to make Shiftuf on the Keri itself. Comes the Gemara and continues. There was a Braita that was said in front of Rav Nachman. A person that sees Keri on Yom Kippur, Avonotab Mechodim, no. So the Gemara says his sins are forgiven. We'll explain this immediately. Gemara says, what do you mean? Tanya Avonotab Sidurim. We have another Braita that says on the contrary. His sins are not forgiven, his sins are arranged. Meaning it seems they arranged the sins in front of him in order to punish him. Kabbalah says, no, my sidurim, what does it mean they arranged? Sidurim l'mahil. They were arranged in front of him in order to be forgiven. What does this mean, sins arranged to be forgiven? So the Mufarachim explained that Slach explains it, that we have a principle that says, ma'avir rishon rishon. That God, when he's putting the mitzvot and avirot on the scale, the first sin God takes off. It means there's a, you have a pass on the first sin. So therefore, what it means over here, when they're in order, so that's why a person is, uh, uh, he has one extra avera. You need to be at least a 50-50 to get in. Because 50-50, God tips the scale for Benoni. So therefore, what happens, if he's going in order, the first sin will be Taken off the scale, number two, three, four, seven, I'll put on. Therefore, he's, 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 uh, he's good. However, if it's not in order, that means the first one's really not first, it's last, and therefore, if he doesn't put him on in order, the guy's going to get punished. So that's what the last one is Sidurin They're in order, in order to be forgiven. In any event, we see over what? That a person who sees Kedi uh, on Kippur, it's, uh, it's a good sign. Now, obviously, that she points out, we'll read it inside, this is talking about where it happened unintentionally, and he did not do anything to cause himself to have the seminal discharge, including he didn't eat any foods or drink any drinks that normally bring on Keri. Certainly he did not have any Hirurim Rahim. So this is totally uh, non-expected and non-self-brought uh, self, uh, 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 upon himself. Look at Rashi. Hado e keri and that she brings a pasuk to give a remez over here. Like the pasuk says, a person that sees zera yarichemim. So the mefarshim point out over here, the zera is white. So the whiteness of the zera is a symbol of what? Mehilat avonot. That the white avonot are are uh, that his sins are now uh, cleaned. Now. The Mephashim explained over here that the explanation is that obviously we're talking about a man who's very tahor over here. 
I mean, he didn't have any hidurim. He didn't have any reason for this uh, keri to, to appear. And still it appeared. So the Mephajim says, as if God is extricating from his body any tum'ah that's there, he's removing it. So therefore, it's as if God is, you know, the, 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 the tum'ah that's in him is, is leaving him. And that God is doing that. That's, that's, that's not self-inflicted. So therefore, it's a sign that what? He must be indeed be a very good person. should be concerned and worried all year long. What should he be worried about? So that she says, That maybe this is an indication that God has not accepted his service, his fasting. And therefore, God satiated him and whatever they can be, he can be satiated by. Which means as if he's coming along to <laughs> donate his volunteer or his service to God. And God's coming along and says, I'm not interested in your service. And therefore, he makes it about Kedis and says, no, I'm not interested in your abstention. <laughs> like a servant that pours a cup, you know, uh, pours water in the wine in order to prepare it for his master. <laughs> and the master takes it and he says, I'm not interested in your service. And he throws it back in his face. So that's what that's one way of looking at it. You could say maybe the guy got bald kid. Okay, what if God is saying, "Hey, I'm not interested in your uh, mitzvot that you're doing over here." Then we should be concerned. However, the Gemara does say, "If he makes it throughout the year, then already rest the street. You have to know." So the Mefajim explain what does it mean over here. So some explain it that as a result of him having this uh, situation over here. If he makes the proper tikkun throughout the year, so that can stave off the death penalty that he might get. And what's the tikkun? So the Mishnah brings down that a person should learn. If he normally learns, let's say, one pedik a day, he should start learning two pedakim a day. If a person, the Mishnah says, learns one daf a day, he should start learning two dapim a day. And he should also um, uh, do more chesed than he's normally accustomed of doing. And he quotes a pasuk, Behesed ve'emet yichupar avon. With chesed, acts of kindness, and the emet, which is Torah, yichupar avon. Those are the two main ingredients for a person to be forgiven for his sin. So once a person passes the year, and obviously God did not exact punishment for this kid uh, that he saw, then already with ta'ala, that shows that what? That really God was not punishing him. Really, that was a sign of, 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 of admiration that God was having for this man. What's the sign of admiration? So the Gemara explains it. Gemara says, You can look at it like this. The whole world is starving, and he's satiated, which means the whole world is abstaining from Tashmish. And therefore they have that inuit, the affliction of what? Abstention. When God says to this guy, they're all starving, he gave him his, uh, he satiated him, so to speak, when he saw the Zedah. So therefore you see what, it's a, it's a gift that God's giving this man. You don't, you don't, you don't need to suffer. You're already tzaddik, you don't need these uh, afflictions. So again, but this is pending. Which means you don't know until a year later, what exactly it was. Because two ways to look at it. Maybe you look at it as God is saying, I'm not interested in your service. Or maybe you say, no, maybe it's a, it's a benachat. God saying, I want you to be satiated. So then a year later, you're able to make the judgment. If he doesn't make it through the year, obviously it's, it's obvious what it was. But if he makes it through the year, that's an indication that God is saying that you indeed are a tzaddik. Look at Rashi. Teda. Shareh kol ha'olam ra'ev. Mitashmish. Nuhu sabaya. 
ולא נתענה בזאת, ושלא מדעתו השפיעו, ושגן, הנה נעשה פרט, זה happened unwittingly. ואף על פי כן, עלתה לו שנה, יש לדעת שסדיק גמור הוא. already it's an indication that he's a סדיק גמור. כי אתה לבדימי ולבדימי כהם, אמר, he said, מפיש חיה, סגה ומזגה. He comes and goes even further. He says, not only does it mean he's going to be Muftahosh Allah Rabba, but he says, Mephish Chayyeh, he's going to have long life. That's the, that's the person that saw Zera on Yom Kippur. And Sageh Umazgeh. It's going to multiply and it's going to multiply. Now she says in the bottom line, Bebanim Ubebanim. Meaning he's going to perpetuate with children and grandchildren. Sekeh Nasiman, like we have this Pasuk in Yeshaya, which the Tosafot at the end of the Masikah also brings, Yerezera Yarichamim, which means indeed, it's, 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 it's more than Mohalim uh, Lo'avonotav. Uh, it's more than he's just going to get forgiven from his sins, like the first Braitha said. He's holding over here that what? It's actually going to give him Berachai, Yerezera Yichamim, he's going to have a long life. Now, the Hadran Alach Yom Kippurim. The Mefarshim over here just say a word of Musar to connect the beginning of the Masechet to the end of the Masechet. Like is the Minhag many times to try to link the beginning to the end of the Masechet. The first letter of our Masechet is Shin. If you will go back to first Dabed, it was starting off with Shivat Yamim. Right, seven days before Kippur, they sequestered the Kohen in the Shkat Paredrin. If you look at the last letter of the Mishnayot, that is, the last letter is uh, Lamed. Which means that was the statement of Rabbi Akiva, Ashrechem Yisrael, Lefnei Atem Metaharim, Umi Metaheretchem, Lefnei Abichem Shemashamayim, and then he brought uh, the whole uh, Pesukim, and the, the last uh, word of the Mishnah was what? Right. Af HaKadosh Baruch Hu Metaheret Yisrael. So you, the Lamed is the last letter. So there's a sefer called Hon Ashir, and he says that that is a signal to the word Shal. <coughs> Shal literally means remove. Where do we have this word in the Torah? Shal na'alecha me'al raglecha. That when Moshe Rabbeinu went to the burning bush, what did God tell him? Remove your shoes. Now, we have to understand what does this mean? That God tells Moshe Rabbeinu to remove his shoe. Why? This is not uh, to be understood uh, like in the modern understanding when somebody walks into a house and the mother says, take off your shoes. So over here, what's the, what's the reason he has to take off his shoes? So the Nefashim explained like this. At that moment, Moshe Rabbeinu had reached a level of total spirituality where his physical uh, body was now subjugated under his neshama, which is the neshama now was the more uh, uh, um, uh, priority of his, of his existence, uh, and therefore it was more uh, 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 manifest than the physical itself. So that's symbolized by taking the shoe off the foot. Why? Because normally speaking, a neshama can only be housed in a body. Normally a neshama cannot have an existence of outer body. You need the, the body itself is like the care, is the receptacle to hold the neshama. Uh, that's why a child is born, there is a neshama in him. We don't have neshamot that are just born. According to the pshat at least, right? We always understand the neshama has to be linked to a, to a body. The shoe is similar to the goof. The foot is similar to the neshama. That just like the body houses, just like the shoe houses the foot, so too the physical body houses the neshama. 
At that point, when Moshe Rabbeinu reached the snare, God says, Which is, Moshe, you have reached a level where you can remove the physical, you can take off the shoe. Which means now already, you're, you're in a holy zone. You're at Bat Kodesh over here. And then when you've elevated yourself, that your neshama is already above the physical. And therefore, the rabbi says over here, that that's the logic why we take off our shoes on Yom Kippur. Because on Yom Kippur, we're considered what, like angels. And therefore, the angels, they walk barefoot. Why? Because to them, there is no physical. And they don't need a shoe, they don't need a house for the neshama. So, Yom Kippur, we also elevate ourselves to a status or a situation of spirituality where like, we're like the Malachi Asharet, that's why we're white all day long, that's why we say, Baruch Shem Olam Ba'ed, out loud, like the Gemara says, and therefore, the Rehm is, in the beginning of the Masechah, and the end of the Masechah, is what? That through the concept of Yom Kippur, one is able to elevate himself. It should be noted that the Mislat Yesharim, actually the Baal Mislat writes, that in the Ne'ilah prayer, a person is able to elevate himself to Adam Arishon Kodemachet. Which means that's already the advancements in levels that a person can reach on Yom Kippur. And that was hinted already by the Rebbe uh, Kadosh uh, when he started the Mishnah with the Sheen and ended Masech and Yomah with A. Hadran Alach Masechet Yomah Uslika Hadran Alach Yom Kippur Uslika Alach Masechet Yomah Baruch Adonai Amen Amen